Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Good morning. Welcome. This, I'm Fazia Costi, and today I have an absolutely wonderful guest. Her name is Amy Standage. She goes by LL Standage, but her friends call her Amy. And I am privileged to call her my friend and neighbor. She is absolutely one of the nicest people you could ever want to meet. Um, so welcome. Welcome to the uh, show, Amy. Thank you. It is wonderful to be here. So I would love it if you could tell our, our listeners a little bit about yourself. I, I know quite a bit about you, but I, I, wouldn't come, I want it to come from you. So go ahead and tell our listeners, who is Amy? Well, I am an author. I am also a stay-at-home mom, and I am married to my amazing husband, Brett, and we together have three children. They are ages nine, six, and four, and they take up a lot of my time. But aside from that, I also love to write. I love to read, which is a little bit of a job requirement as an author, and um what else can I say? Um, Netflix. <laughs> um, I also love to eat. I love to travel. I love to um, be with friends. You know, just trying to keep up with life and um, learning and all of those wonderful things. So. Well, it, it sounds like you have a wonderful life. And I, and I happen to know that you have a wonderful life because I live next door to you. So thank you. And you do have a wonderful family and, and you have a wonderful husband who, who really just appears to love you very much and loves his family very much. Oh, well, thank you. He's great. <clears throat> yeah. So I, I think you have a very, very nice life. And, and I think that's wonderful. So tell me a little bit about your writing. Um, let's start with your your name? How did you? How did you end up using LL Standage? Because I call you Amy. So how did how yes. does that happen? <laughs> well, I decided to go with LL Standage because it's it's not so much a pen name that I want to hide behind or that I want to be anonymous. I wanted to build a brand, and I chose the name LL because I liked the two. Um, initials, you know, you see J.K. Rowling or yeah. J.R.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, you know, those are totally my favorite authors, just saying. Um, <laughs> so I chose L.L. Standage. It comes from my middle and my last, uh, my maiden name, which is Lynn and Larson. And I thought that would be fun to incorporate that part of my life into my author name. Um, and then if I decide to ever write in a different genre than what I currently write, which is young adult fantasy, I can use a different name if I so choose. So I chose LL Standage as a, as a branding decision, but it does get confusing sometimes because my first name is Amy and that's what I prefer to be called. So whenever someone wants to communicate with me, they say, what do I call you? <laughs> what's, your, what's your name? So my first name is Amy. My middle name is Lynn. And I made a name. I love it. I love it. Thank you. 
Um, so when did you first realize you wanted to be a writer? How old were you? Um, I, I have been making up stories my entire life. And some of them from my kindergarten days are pretty hysterical. I remember looking back at something I had written. I can't remember how old I was. I was probably seven. And it was about twin girls who decided one day that they wanted to go to sea. So they asked their mom and their mom said, yes. So they went to sea and they sailed and sailed and sailed. And the next day they went home. (laughs) Talk about a Pulitzer Prize winning story, right? Well, I Um, love it. You know, you could definitely expand on that. (laughs) I could expand on that. (laughs) So it began very early in life. And then when I was in high school, I got into writing more seriously and I loved movies at the time. And I thought, I want to be a screenwriter. I want to help make these movies. This is really cool. So when I was a senior in high school, I had the chance to interview a screenwriter, not a real famous one, but, you know, one that was available that my um, English teacher knew. And he said, well, it's, it's great. It's a lot of fun. But once you sell your screenplay to someone in the in the business and in the production company, they can change it however they want. They buy the rights. And I thought, oh, I don't like that very much. I think I'll just become an author instead. So from then on, I decided to pursue writing books. And it took me about 20 years before I got published, but I am finally here today. And, and how are you published right now? Who publishes your books? I publish through Amazon. I am an independent author. And I chose to do that because then I have full creative control over the content in my books and the design of my books and how often I publish. And I also am able to earn a greater percentage of royalties that way. So there are definitely advantages and disadvantages to being an independently published author, but that was the route that I chose. Wonderful. So let's talk a little bit about your writing process. What is your writing process? Well, besides beating my head against a stone wall, um, (laughs) it, it starts with an idea, usually a question. What if, let's take, let's take my current published, my first published book for an example. What if a picture of a mermaid showed up, a picture of a mermaid on the beaches of California just showed up one day? What, what would happen? What kind of fallout would, would that create? And so asking that what if question then sort of starts the wheels spinning and I have to think about it and brainstorm. And then I try to do an outline, a rough outline. Outlining isn't my favorite though. It can sometimes feel a little bit cumbersome, but I tried to create a a rough outline of um, the beginning, middle, and the, you know, the things that happen in between the <laughs> the beginning and the end. And um, then what I do is I draft, I create a first draft and it's usually garbage. Most writers will tell you your first draft is never going to be pretty. Write it anyway, because you can edit a garbage page. You cannot edit a blank page. So I go through several drafts. And then once I feel like it's got some kind of cohesiveness, I send it to a professional editor and they can tell me how to improve it even more. So several rounds of edits. And then after that, it 
time to hit the publish button in a nutshell. (laughs) And how long does it normally take you to go from step one to publication? Oh, that, that varies a lot. I can tell you, um, Fathom, my first book, I first got the idea. And I remember this because I was living in this little duplex apartment with my husband back in 2007. That's when I first got the idea for Fathom. So it was years and years ago. And then draft after draft after draft after draft later, I am able to finish. But then I have written a book in three months. So it can take years and it can take a couple months, but usually the average is a few months. Wow. So when you're going through the editing process, who do you trust to give you that objective criticism of your work? I mean, do you have one person that you go to every time? How did you pick that person? So many questions. (laughs) (laughs) I have a wonderful critique group. They are called the Red Mountain Writers, and it is a um, group of women that are part of a larger organization called the American Night Writers Association. And it's a nationwide group of writers that all work together to support one another, to promote one another, and to help critique one another's writing. And our little group just meets here in our our city where we live, and we get together once a month. And sometimes these women will will share little snippets of our writing at, at each of our chapter meetings, and sometimes they will read the entire manuscript for me if I send it off to them. Um, they are fabulous, and I just love them dearly. And then I also have some incredible beta readers that will take my manuscripts after I feel that they're ready for another pair of eyes and they will go through it as well and give me their opinions. So those are the people that I have in my arsenal. So how many people would you say read your book before it even goes to publication? Um, let's see, probably anywhere from five to 12. And I think that's important to know because a lot of people just think they need one editor, you know, and it depends. And some people only do have one editor. I prefer to have more than one because another pair of eyes is always better than just one. It's the great thing about people. We are all different. We all see things differently. We all spot things differently. So having that extra opinion is just so invaluable to me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, where do you get your ideas for your books? Where do, where do they come from? What inspires you? What inspires me? I Everything. <laughs> I love, I, I said before, I love to travel. Every time I go somewhere really interesting, I can feel that urge to start writing something down. I recently went to Washington, D.C., and of course, I mean, there's so many books and movies and television shows that take place in Washington, D.C., and there's a reason for that. It's such a fascinating place. So when I go somewhere really cool, I just want to write about it. And even then, if I hear about a cool place, I want to write about it just so I can go there and experience it and make sure that it's authentic in the writing. So I'd have, I definitely say travel life experiences, um, even sometimes prompts. I, I have a book of, of um, writing prompts that give some ideas on where to start 
if I'm ever feeling a little bit run down or out of inspiration. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. How, how do you select names for your characters in your books? <laughs> uh, this Selecting names is always really fun. And um, it uh, began with um, the, the names that I had picked out to name my own children that my husband didn't care for. <laughs> if he didn't like the name, then it went on a list. Um, Olivia is the main character in Fathom. And her best friend is Samantha. And I loved those names. They didn't, they didn't make it as far as being chosen for names of my children. So they went into books. And that was one way that I would name my characters. Another way is I will look at the area where the character is from. I have a Irish, an Irish character in Fathom. His name is Eamon. And that's a very traditionally Irish name, Eamon O'Dell. Uh, what else? I'd have a I have a list of names that I can pick from sometimes, and then <laughs> I will use friends' names sometimes, but only with their permission. And when it really comes down to it, if I just need a random side character name, I have gone on Facebook before to do a little search. Okay, the first female name I find, I'm going to use that name. And even then, sometimes I'm like, man, I, I hem and haw. Or I've done name generators. Mm -hmm. You can go online and Google name generator. And sometimes it will, it, it's actually really fantastic. It's a great tool because they have the fantasy type names or they have the modern names. Um, so I've done that before as well. You can filter through it. Yeah. Oh, very fun. Mm -hmm. So what type of books do you like to read? I love to read historical fiction. Um, I also love to read, I have kind of a wide variety. I love historical fiction. I love um, thriller and suspense, romantic suspense. There's got to be romance. Let's be honest. I love, I love romance. And then I've read a lot of young adult because it's so accessible, in my opinion. Um, shoot, rom-coms. Um, those are mainly the genres that I stick with. How oh, fun. So let's talk a little bit about your childhood. What was your favorite book when you were a child? And did you have different favorite books at different ages? Like for me, I liked Charlotte's Web when I was little, but that's certainly not my favorite book when I was in high school or in right. college. So tell us a little bit about your favorite books. When I was a child, I, I remember a, there was a couple of them that come to mind. Um, the first was when I was in second grade, my teacher read The Boxcar Children, and I loved that book so much. The thought of living in this train car and setting up your little house just spoke to my little heart. <laughs> it sounded so fun. So I read that book every year in elementary school. I loved The Boxcar Children, and I, to this day, I still love it. And then... Let's see. I had a wonderful, I actually ran into my side story. I ran into my fifth grade teacher at the store yesterday. It was incredible to see her again. It's been, I, I shouldn't tell you how long it's been. We'll just pretend it's, it's been a long time. We'll say that. And she is just so darling. And she read a couple of books when, um, when she was my teacher. One of them was Book of Three. And I really liked that one. And right around that time, I started getting into um, 
the the spooky ghost stories, um, R.L. Stein a little bit. Uh, and um, I, there was a book by Mary Downing Hahn called uh, Wait Till Helen Comes. And that's a ghost story. And that's another one that I've read several times, <laughs> even as an adult. It was <laughs> one of my favorites as a kid and still enjoy it to this day. And then I, I do have to admit something. When when I was growing up, especially as a teenager, I did not enjoy reading. There was those few books that I did like, but I, I really struggled with enjoying sitting down and reading a book. I just wanted to be playing and using my imagination and making things up on my own. And I do regret that because I feel like reading more gives so much more the advantage for writers. However, when I was about 19 years old, this feels that feels very late in life <laughs> for me. But <laughs> when I was 19 years old, I picked up, would you believe it, Harry Potter and fell in love with it, of course. And from then on, I just pick, I picked up books and I've fallen in love with reading ever since then. So Harry Potter was really my gateway book that got me into loving reading again. So that's awesome. You know, and that's a great <laughs> series. I mean, Harry Potter is a great series. So that is a fun, fun way to get back into reading. Um, what do you do when you're not writing? What kind of activities do you enjoy? What do I do when I'm not writing? I I feel like when I'm not working, I'm cleaning my house. <laughs> That's not true. I despise cleaning. Um, no, I really love. Um, I love to hang out with my husband. We recently took up mountain biking, and we we really enjoy that. We love to go see movies. We love to binge watch Netflix, uh, you, you know, those there, and there's some shows, there's some new shows that are coming out soon that I'm really excited about. So, um, what, what shows are those? What are you looking forward to watching on Netflix? Stranger things. Okay. <laughs> I love stranger things and a couple on Disney plus that are coming out. There's another season of the Mandalorian. Oh gosh. I see. I'm a star Wars nerd too. So I love the Mandalorian. And then I love I just love to be with the people that I love. You know, I love to hang out with friends and family and to laugh. Um, I love, I, I said this before, I also love to eat. <laughs> so, you know, most people, when they say that, you know, they assume that you just eat nonstop, but that's not true. What, what do you like to eat? What is your favorite thing to eat? My favorite, I'll, I'll tell you my favorite writing snack is uh, chocolate chips. Uh, I'm kind of like, that's kind of my trademark. <laughs> chocolate chips and pretzels are my favorite. Um, I love to try. And they go very things. well together. They, they do. do. <laughs> oh, the salty sweet. Yes. Yeah. Give me salty sweet any day. I love to try new foods. So if my husband and I find a new restaurant, I'm all over that. I love ethnic foods. I just, I, again, with the traveling, if wherever I go, I like to eat the food there because I just, that because it gives you so a good sense of the culture. Exactly. And even if it's just here in the United States, you know, I got to eat barbecue if I'm in the South. I got to eat fish tacos if I'm in San Diego, you know, things like that. It, they're just, that's just my favorite thing to do. Um, but yeah, what, what else do I, let's see. So where are some of the best places that you've been to where you've enjoyed the culture and the food? 
England. <laughs> I laugh because England is not known for its food. Um, no, I really, England was my favorite place to travel. I'm, I am what you call an Anglophile. I absolutely love England, the history, the architecture. I, I you have to find a good place to eat for, to love the food. But in my experience, I had, I had a really good experience with the food, but um, as as far as travel and food goes, my husband and I also have been to, we went to Tennessee a couple of years ago. He had a conference that he had to attend and I got to walk around downtown Memphis and it was just fantastic. It was so neat, so much history. And we went ate at this little restaurant that had the most amazing barbecue I've ever had in my life. It was incredible. So there was that. Um, I also went to... Um, We've been to upstate New York and ate the original uh, buffalo wings because they're from oh, they originally in Buffalo, New York. And we got to go there. And, and normally I'm not a fan of buffalo wings, but we we went to this place and ate there and they were so good. They were so good. So anywhere I can go where there's food that they're famous for their food sign me up. That's my favorite. <laughs> so what about DC? What food did you eat there? Oh, you know what? I was there for such a short time. I, I was mainly, I stayed in Alexandria because that's where my friends live. And, mm-hmm. oh, that's a cool place too. I ate at this really neat restaurant that was, had historical, um, it, it was big with the <laughs> founding fathers and stuff, all that oh, historical cool. excitement, exciting stuff. They had this baked brie that I ate there that had some kind of like cinnamon and some raspberry glaze on it. Oh, it was incredible. So that restaurant in Old Town Alexandria, highly recommend. I can't remember the name of it now. I'll have to send it to you later. But that was amazing. When I went to DC, I had actually broken my laptop. I was there doing research for my second book and my laptop got wet and had broken and I was completely devastated. And so instead of sitting, wallowing in my grief, I went <laughs> and drove up to, to DC and went in and did some sightseeing and it was incredible. So I didn't actually eat any of the food there because I was literally only in that downtown area for a couple of hours. So I, I didn't get a chance to eat there, but I want to go back. I want to take my husband back because it was amazing. And then I will love to eat the local fare of Washington, D.C. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like you've had some nice experiences traveling, enjoying the food, enjoying the culture. Do these places make it into your books? Do these? Oh, um, absolutely. They, okay. And how about the food? Do you ever talk about food in your books? Actually, yes. I... I'm working on my third book right now, and at one point, my characters go to San Diego, back to San Diego. Fathom, book one, takes place in San Diego, and in book three, we come full circle, and my characters actually go back. And I had to put this little restaurant, I'm going to put in a plug for this restaurant, it's um, called um, La Playa, Taco Shop La Playa, something like that. It's there in uh, Mission Beach. And um, they have the most incredible fish tacos. So I had to, <laughs> I had to have my characters go to this little taco shop in at Mission 
beach and eat some fish tacos because it made such an impression on me. I have to, I have, every time I go back there, I have to get those tacos because they're just chef's kiss. They're so good. Wow. That sounds amazing. Um, So you have three books. Let's talk about the name. You have the third one coming out shortly. Mm -hmm. What are the, what are the names of your first two books? The first book is called Fathom. And the reason for that is because it is both a measurement of a depth of water. It, we deal with mermaids in this book. And it also suggests the, a, the thought, a, some, an idea. You can, can you fathom the idea that mermaids are actually real? And then the second book is called Chasm. And you find out in the book that Chasm is an acronym. It stands for the Council for the Harboring Armament. Now I have to think about it. Armament, security, and security of merpersons. <laughs> so that's what it, it, it stands for. And then the last book is called Reach. And Reach is what mer people in my world that I've built call their kingdoms instead of a kingdom or an, uh, a state or a country, they are called a reach because they encompass both land and a depth of water. So okay. that's where those names come from. Um, wow. It sounds amazing. I, I, I actually look forward <laughs> to reading them. I think it'll be fascinating. Um, and I apologize for not being able to read them before we met, but uh, just so our listeners know, uh, this was a last minute booking because we had a cancellation today. So um, no worries. I really, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on last minute like this. So uh, we just have a couple minutes left left before our break. Um, can you tell me um, how could somebody get in touch with you um, if they wanted to maybe send you an email or if they wanted to purchase your books? How can they go about doing that? The best way to do that is to log on to my website, which is authorllstandage.com. And you can also look me up on Instagram, which is at authorllstandage. I am also on TikTok, but I can't guarantee that my videos are going to be that exciting. (laughs) (laughs) But, But yes, best ways to do Instagram or look me up on my website. All right. And then your email? If, the, if somebody wanted to email you? Yes, my email is um, authorllstandage at gmail.com. Perfect. Thank you. So um, if you'd like to get in touch with me, feel free to go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. You can also subscribe to our upcoming magazine, which is launching January 10th through the website. Um, just make sure that you go in and confirm that you have Uh, subscribe to um, the magazine, uh, you'll get an email. So just make sure you confirm that. Um, And if you'd like to email me for a consultation, I do offer free consultations. Feel free to do that through my my, um, email, Vazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Or once again, you can do that through my uh, website as well. So um, next week we have our gratitude episode. Um, I will be moving next week. For those of you who are not aware of this, um, I'm actually moving from Arizona to Florida. And so I will not be live next week, but we're going to have a wonderful episode. Um, Some of our wonderful um, guests from previous shows will be um, 
adding to our gratitude episode. So feel free to listen to that. Um, it'll be an absolutely wonderful show and we will um, be live back again in December with the Parenting Pulse uh, launching de- December 1st. And we will be talking about holiday stress because, well, December is um, just the beginning of all the wonderful holidays that are coming up. So um, if you have any questions for me or any of my guests, feel free to go to my website and shoot me an email, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. We'll be back after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Bozzi Acosti is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit ExecutiveFunctionCoachAZ.com. Bozzi works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fazia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fozzie Acosti or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Fazia at executive function coach az.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. Um, I'm Fazia Costi, and today we are talking to Amy Standage. Uh, she is an author and a friend of mine. And welcome back, Amy. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, I'm so thrilled that you could uh, make it and and have this wonderful conversation with me today. Um, let's just do a quick little correction on your email. Um, I know that before the break, we had said the email was author llstandage at gmail.com, but it's actually llstandage at gmail.com, correct? Yes, just okay. llstandage. And if you need to know the spelling, because people very often need to ask how to spell my last name. It is um, L, the letter L, L, and then the, my last name is S-T-A-N-D-A-G-E. Perfect. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for sharing that. And, and she is absolutely a wonderful human being. So if you have questions, oh, I, know, I know that Amy will do whatever she can to help. So if you are a new writer and you're looking for 
inspiration, read her books. And, and if you have questions, let her know. She She's truly a wonderful human being. So um, thank you so much for being on the show, Amy. I, I would love to continue this conversation. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, let's talk, since we ended our conversation before the break on travel and food, let's talk about liter- literary pilgrimages. Have you ever been on one and what's that like for you? Yes, I have. Um, because a lot of my books are based on places where I've been, I also like to go to the places I'm writing about. After the fact, you know, after I've written the story, I recently went to Maryland to do research for my second book. And I just have to tell you, it is the most incredible feeling to step into a place that you have only seen on Google Maps. <laughs> And in your imagination, I was so happy to be there. I went to the University of Maryland, which is where the book takes place. And let me tell you a little bit about why I chose that place. Side note, Um, my husband is a dentist. And when he was applying for dental school, there were many places that we were considering on where he wanted to go to school. And one of these places was in Baltimore, Maryland. And somehow I had gotten it in my head. I want to go there. We're going to go there. So if we do go there, I'm going to put my book setting near this place so I can go and see all the things and make sure it's all accurate. And well, we ended up staying here in Arizona for dental <laughs> school. That's <laughs> a twist of, twist of fate. And so I, I, I went on the trip. I went to Maryland. It was absolutely gorgeous. This, this college campus was amazing. So it was such a delight, such a pleasure to go there. I have also gone on pilgr- pilgrimages. Let me see if I can say that correctly. It's a tough word. <laughs> for books that I have read that I haven't written. For example, I talked about how much I love Harry Potter. And yeah. back in 2006... A friend of mine and I went to England to see Harry Potter film sites and places that may have inspired J.K. Rowling when she was writing the books. And again, stepping into a place that you only see either on the big screen or in your imagination is absolutely incredible. We went to some of the places, uh, for example, the house that they used for James and Lily Potter's house in the first Harry Potter movie. It's in this little village called Laycock in, in uh, the County Wiltshire. And it's this beautiful little town. Not only have they filmed some Harry Potter scenes there, they have also filmed some Pride and Prejudice scenes there, which is another one of my favorite books. I absolutely adore Jane Austen. And it's so fascinating to go and see these places that either inspire other authors or are on a movie because you get to kind of relive it in your mind. And it's such a pleasure and I highly recommend it. And if you're ever interested in doing tours like this, I know that he has a Da Vinci Code as Da Vinci Code one as well. His name is Larry Ivy and he is with Magical Tours. And he's he was the one that I I booked the Harry Potter tour with, and he was absolutely wonderful and, and created a great experience for us, especially as fans of Harry Potter. So that was um, that was another example of 
little trips that I've made <laughs> well, <laughs> because yeah. of an obsession over a book. You know, I think those are just as much fun to listen to as maybe reading the book would be. Oh, sure. You know, just just listening to those stories. Do you ever just write those down, like your experiences about research? You know, I did keep a journal when I was in England. I would have to dig it up. I haven't looked at it in years. Like I said, it was back in 06. It was before I was even married. But it it changes you. It changes you. And I think that it it forms you into a better person to see different places and experience new things. So it's definitely something I recommend. My next one I want to go on is a Jane Austen one back to England to go see all the Jane Austen things. That would be. Well, I think, you know, education and experiences are cumulative. The more you have, the better you understand the world, the better you understand yourself. The, the mm-hmm. better you can write, you know, because you have more experiences to draw from. So I think all exactly. around, it's just a wonderful experience. Whether you're a writer or not, it's a great way to live life. Exactly. Well, as a writer, I know that you don't always get a warm welcome. So <laughs> not, not you personally, but not everyone's going to write in the same way. Not everyone's going to perceive the writing in the same way. So there, there's this element of negative reviews, rejection. How do you deal with that? And how do you recommend maybe a new writer deal with that? The first thing that I recommend is that you never take it personally. It's a very subjective business. And that just means what touches the heart of one person is going to touch the heart of another person differently. And just because you get a no from this agent or that agent or that publisher doesn't mean that every person is going to have a no, and it doesn't mean that your story isn't good. What you have to do, if you have to, you can cry a little. <laughs> Let's be honestly, it, it's, it's, very diff- it's a difficult thing to have somebody tell you no, because essentially you are presenting your baby to a person and saying, please love my baby. And they don't love your baby. And how could that, how could anybody not love your baby? So it's difficult, but you pick yourself up off the floor, you find some support and you continue on. All it takes is one yes. And for me, it took a no for me to realize that I wanted to publish independently. I met with an agent who said, this sounds like a good story, but difficult for him to market, difficult for him to pitch to other publishers. And so I decided from that, at that point, this is my sign. I'm going to publish independently. So sometimes these rejections, the difficult times lead you to become the author that you were meant to be. They lead you on the path that you were meant to go. And as far as negative reviews, I know of a delightful author named Charlie N. Holmberg. She writes historical fiction fantasy. And what she does is she takes her negative reviews and she writes a song (laughs) with all of her negative reviews. It's, it's so fantastic. She's, she's on Instagram. You'll have to look her up because her, her rejection songs are just cute. And what is her name again? Charlie N. Holmberg. So take the negativity and put a positive spin on it. Remember, it does not define you. 
if you have to cry a little, it's okay to cry a little. And then you move on and you become better. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I think it's important to take that rejection and, and, and spin it into something positive. I think that's really important. So I love this. I'm going to look up Charlie. <laughs> she's, I think this will, she's fantastic. I love Charlie. This will be fun. So if you could do something differently as a child or a teenager to become a better writer as an adult, what would you do? What are some of the things that you would do differently? There's a couple. Or, of or maybe some do. of the things you do the same. <laughs> um, the same. I, I would have continued to make up stories. Use my imagination. Um, uh, there's a couple of things I would have done differently. The first thing I wish I would have done is read more. I, I did not enjoy reading as a child. I wish that I would have given it more of a chance. So that's one thing I wish I would have done a little bit more of. And then another thing I wish I would have done is to love myself a little bit more, believe in myself a little bit more. Sometimes we struggle, especially I think as teenagers, we, we, we struggle with our self-identity and our self-acceptance. We're trying to become something that we believe society or our friends or what trends tell us that we should become. And I really wish that I could have loved and accepted myself for who I was and embraced who I was and what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be. And um, another thing I think I should have done, certainly in my adult life, as I started becoming a writer, is to realize that I shouldn't go it alone. I thought in my early 20s, when I was trying to pursue publication, when I was first trying to pursue publication, I thought I can do this on my own. I'm going to write the book. It'll be great. I'll send it off to an agent. Done. And what I didn't realize was I needed a support system. I needed other writers. I needed certainly friends and family to support me in what I was trying to do. And with that support system that I found in my 30s, it took me a long time to realize has, it has been a tremendous blessing in my life. I've found friendships and someone to fall back on when times get tough. So definitely don't go it alone. Find a support system. If you could tell your younger self anything, what would it be? What's the one piece of advice you'd give yourself now? Relax. <laughs> um, again, love yourself. You are, you're going to be you for your whole life. And no matter who you are or what you do, you are an extraordinary person. You are unique and you are on this earth to do something that nobody else can do. And you have to believe that about yourself. You have to love and take care of and protect your identity and know that you have worth beyond anything that you can possibly imagine. So I wish I would have remembered that as a kid. I wish that I could have known I'm worth it. I'm great. It doesn't matter what I love to do or who I am. It's neat. You know, it's cool. So I wish that I could have told myself that. And I wish that I could tell teenagers today that same thing. Just love yourself because you're incredible. It's funny how we have such a hard time doing that. Mm -hmm. I, I tell my students 
my clients all the time, you're exactly the way you're meant to be. You, you know, exactly. you might have challenges, but those challenges are there to teach you something. And mm-hmm. once you you overcome those challenges, that's going to be your gift. That's what you're going to use to make yourself more successful, to have a better life. Uh, whatever that gift you have is going to take you somewhere special. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but you take those, the difficulties that you experience in your life growing from that on your own then helps you to help someone else and being able to help someone else creates an incredible amount of gratification and even more Mm self-love when you're able to help others. Uh, Absolutely. I I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, So I want to talk about publishing. I know that you decided to go the direction of self-publishing or through Mm -hmm. Amazon. But if somebody wanted to find a publisher and mm-hmm. they, they were persistent, how do you go about how do you go about that process? How do you find a publisher? Um, it sounds like you want to know about the traditional route of publishing. So I'll talk a little right, bit about that. Right, because you talked a little mm-hmm. bit about you know what you did, but yes. talk, yeah, if somebody wanted to go that traditional route, how would that work for them? Absolutely. Um, a traditional the traditional route of publishing it has also many advantages and for my fellow authors who are traditionally published, it's a fantastic way to to earn great success. Um, Usually what has to happen is you find an agent. And the best way to do that is you go online and you research these agents. You find what they're looking for because if you write thrillers, you don't want to pitch to a children's writer agent. You, You want to make sure that they represent the genre that you're writing in. And you write them a letter telling them about your book and you wait for the yes or the no. And it is a waiting game. It is a rejection game. It is very much a game of patience. So you can, you find this agent and then what the agent does is they seek out the publishers that are looking for books like yours. They pitch your book to the publishing company. And then if a publisher picks it up, then they foot the bill for the cover design, for the editors, for the, the layout, and um, often the marketing as well. So if that's the route that you want to take, then begin with the agent, but make sure that you do your research and know what the agent represents. And when somebody finds an agent, well, first of all, can you can you seek out more than one agent? You can you can you can send letters to more than one agent at once, but make sure that you let them know that you are sending multiple. It's called a query letter. Make sure you let them know in your query letter that you are submitting to more than one so that they're aware. And then if you get multiple offers, then fantastic. <laughs> you get to pick. And sometimes you have to figure out who you mesh well with, who you're going to get along with, who's really going to believe in you and advocate for you in your books. And then um, from that point on, you have to wait again for the agent to find a publisher. So it's not always a guarantee that you're going to get published, but it is a very good step in the right direction for the agent to say yes. And then how much should somebody expect to pay and, or do they even have to pay an agent? No. Um, uh, any agent that is reputable will not charge you money until your book is published. Then they take a percentage of 
the earnings of that of that book. Um, if you publish independently, it can cost anywhere from absolutely nothing. If you don't, if you design your own cover, if you design your own layout, and then if you don't pay for any editing, it doesn't cost you a thing. And it can cost you up to thousands and thousands of dollars. It depends on how you invest, how you decide to invest in your book. And what are some of the things that people would have to, that you would recommend maybe they invest in? If you are just starting and just learning about writing books, invest in some classes first. Um, A good editor is always a good investment and a good cover designer is an excellent investment. They say, don't judge a book by its cover. Well, we're (laughs) humans and we're going to judge your book by its cover. So if the individual, if the reader doesn't like the cover, they're not going to pick up your book. So if you get a good editor for the inside and a great cover designer for the outside, then you're in good shape. Yeah, I I know. I love books. And every time I've been to a bookstore, I mean, it's the cover that attracts me. Mm-hmm. You know, the cover is the reason I pick up that book and 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 read what it's about. If mm-hmm. it wasn't for that intriguing cover, I probably wouldn't pick it up. That's true. And the readers would miss out on a great story and they'd miss out on your story. You don't want that. So exactly. invest in a good cover designer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And an editor is really important because you don't want typos in your book. Yeah. Oh, they're oh they're terrible. I just recently found another typo in my author bio <laughs> of all things. Oh thought, no. Oh, no. So I went to my my cover designer who's also my formatter. I said, "Molly, I found this other typo. Can you fix it for me?" And she's fantastic. So she she fixed it. So I was able to <laughs> uh put the the correct words in my author bio. So one of the things that I've noticed in my lifetime that books come in different sizes. Mm-hmm. How does somebody choose what size their book should be? That's a personal preference. I chose eight and a half by five and a half. You can choose uh, eight inches by five inches. Uh, you can choose bigger. Um, often large print books are create a larger book as well. So really, I think it's just the the way that you prefer. But one bit of advice I can give is that you make your books the same size across your entire series. Nothing annoys a reader more than a different sized book. Yeah, because when you're putting it on your bookshelf, you want them all to look pretty and exactly nice and neat. Match. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So um what is your last bit of advice? If you could give anybody who's wanting to be a writer advice, what would it be? Your most important piece of advice. <sighs> Keep going. Keep going, keep writing. The the that's the advice that I get from from writers a lot. Whenever I meet a professional, they say keep writing. Write, write, and write. Don't stop. Believe in and advocate for your own writing and find a support group. Please, please find a support group. If you have to, you can always turn to social media. Instagram is a an excellent resource to find like-minded authors in your genre that are willing to be critique partners and um, beta readers. Find people that are going to support you. I think that's another great thing. And support yourself. You know, it's, it's a really, really tough industry. So take care of yourself and know that if it brings you joy, then this is what you're meant to do. 
I love it. Thank you. Well, I, I really appreciate you being on the show today. And if you'd like to get in touch with Amy Standage, you can go to author llstandage, S-T-A-N-D-A-G-E.com on her website. You can look at her books. You can also email her at llstandage at gmail.com. And what are the names of your books again? Book one is Fathom. Book two is Chasm. And book three is Due Out on January 4th. And its title is Reach. So there you go. Make sure you buy all three copies because I think you're going to love her writing. And thank you. Yeah. And it's just been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I I absolutely loved it. This was fun. So if you'd like to get in touch with me, um, you can go to my website and on my website, you can listen to the radio show. You can also uh, listen to podcasts and you can register, subscribe to our upcoming uh, magazine, Executive Function Magazine. You can subscribe to it right there on the website, but make sure you go back and uh, confirm the email that you receive from us so that we know that it is you who has requested that subscription. And if you'd like to get in touch with me for your free uh, consultation, uh, feel free to do so at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And coming January, we'll be launching our new um, uh scholarship program again. So if that's something you're interested in, make sure you go to the website and check that out. January 1st, we'll be launching Parenting Pulse. We'll be talking about holiday stress. So look forward to that. And next week, we are doing a special gratitude episode. So uh, we have some of our former guests talking about the reasons they are grateful. Um, I know we've had a really tough couple of years. So um, that might be a really fun episode to listen to. Um, once again, if you have any questions, feel free to email me at Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And if you have any questions for our guests, you can also email me those questions. And I'd be happy to get those to our guests and, and have your questions answered. So we look forward to uh, talking to you again in two weeks. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week. Thank you.